Amen. Well, the last several weeks, I've just kind of gotten to share with you some things that I love. I love the Lord, and I love His church, and I love the Word. And this morning, this will probably be the last of the, me getting to preach just saying what I love every week. But I love the presence of God. I really do. There is nothing on earth that compares to the presence of God. It is having a little bit of heaven on earth. The psalmist agrees with me in Psalm 26 and 8. He said, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. You know, he's talking about a specific place, but he says, I have loved the habitation of your house where your glory dwells. I love the presence of God. You know, when we talk about the presence of God, we're not talking about some weird cosmic God force. We're talking about the Lord being present in a very real way. I want you to understand this morning, I'm not talking about the omnipresence of God. God is certainly present everywhere. The scripture tells us if you ascend to the heavens, he's there. If you go to the lowest hell, he's there. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that special manifest presence of God where we meet with God. See, the psalmist was talking about something special when he says, I have loved the habitation of your house, the place the place where your glory dwells. You see, glory is that manifest presence of God. There's a special place, and that's what we're talking about, where we meet with the creator of the universe. We meet with Almighty God. We encounter Him. The psalmist said in Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want you to know that in this world, people are always, especially I think in, in our day and time in our country, people are running after pleasure. They're in the pursuit of happiness. You know, they just want a little more joy in their life. And they're running after all kinds of things, even Christians, running after all kinds of things that can't really ever fulfill or satisfy. But I want you to know that in the presence of the Lord, there is a joy that nothing else in this world can compare with. There are pleasures that are indescribable in the presence of the Lord. I tell you, I've, I'm ruined. I'm, I've been there. I've experienced that presence, and I just want more. When, when, Lord, I love the habitation of your house. When can I get in that place again, Lord? But I'm telling you, when you're experiencing the presence of God, you're experiencing Almighty God Himself. That is such a wonderful thing. David said in Psalm 27 and 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek. Now, we all know that David was a great worshiper, a great warrior, a great king. This man could have talked about a lot of different things that he desired or that he sought after, but he says, one thing I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Now, he wasn't just talking about that physical temple. This is, his son Solomon built the temple. But David is talking about getting in the presence of God. 
He's talking about that house of the Lord that is the presence of God. But he's talking about a specific place. He says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in His temple. In the Amplified Version, it says to behold and gaze upon the sweet attractiveness and the delightful loveliness of the Lord. See, the beauty of the Lord, he's not talking about just some physical beauty. He's talking about gazing upon the beauty of his character and person. And so often when we get in the presence of God, that's something that happens that we, we see God in a way that we never have. We understand things about God that maybe we didn't before because we're in His presence and we experience Him in a fresh new way. And I want to tell you this morning that this is something that we as the people of God, like David and like the other psalmists, we need to desire We need to seek after it. He said, one thing have I desired, that will I seek. We need to seek to be in the presence of God. Not just to have some kind of experience, but to be in the very presence of God, to be with Him in a special way, to encounter Him in a special way. It reminds me of the verse of Jeremiah 29, 13, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I don't think that people find themselves in the presence of God very often if that is not something that they desire, something that they are seeking after. Whether it's our personal devotional time or when we come together as a church, we we need to be seeking to encounter the Lord. It has to be something that we really want. Listen to this from Psalm 143 and verse 6. He says, I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Oh, are you thirsty for the Lord? My soul longs for you. This is what we need. More of Him. Just more of Him. In Psalm 42, 1 and 2 in the NIV, it says it this way, As the deer pants for streams of water... So my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? When can I go and meet with God? I just want to meet with the Lord. I want to get in the presence of God. We're living in a generation, I think, that for the most part has missed the presence of God. Listen, they don't even know what they're missing. I don't know about you. I've said that to people about other things. You don't know what you're missing. Have you been to this Mexican food restaurant? You know what I'm saying? Oh, there's nothing else that compares, though. They don't know. They don't know what they're missing. I remember one time... We were in between positions and we visited churches and I want to tell you there's a lot of churches where the presence of the Lord is not. So it's not an automatic thing that just because you call it church that God shows up. I want to say this very clearly. We as a church, we need to know this is the most important thing. 
We need to seek it. We need to desire it. We need to long for it, thirst for it. And not allow other things to become a distraction. It is the presence of God that we need. I'm telling you, a lot of pastors are missing this. It doesn't matter how polished we are, how talented we are, how entertaining we are, how seeker-friendly we are. Without the presence of God, we leave people still thirsty, still longing. I tell you, He is the only one that can truly satisfy. But a lot of the church in America has settled for a little bit of smoke and light show. Something superficial instead of an encounter with an awesome God. It's strange to me, in fact, how much that so many churches are trying to copy some version of worldly entertainment. Uh, You know, I just, I prayed and I, I told the Lord I would trust Him to say whatever He put in my heart to say. And I, I just want to, I want to obey the Lord in that. And I'm telling you, it, it, it's, it's so strange if you back up and you just look at what's going on and how much the church, and, and sometimes I guess, you know, some churches, they got enough money or whatever, they do it really well. But a lot of the time, you know, they got music and they've got in the world, they've got music, they've got all kinds of talent, they got great sound system and light show and everything else. And sometimes in the church, it's like we just kind of got a second-rate copy. But the one thing that we have that is so awesome is the presence of God. They can't touch that. We can't settle for anything less. Sometimes all of that stuff just numbs us and gets us past. I'm telling you, we need that hunger, that desire that we got to have the presence of God. It's just religion can't satisfy and entertainment can't satisfy. No, we've got to have the presence of God. Moses knew it. In Exodus 33, beginning from verse 12, Moses says to the Lord, now by the way, this is Moses who spoke to God face to face as a man with his friends. And Moses says this to the Lord. He says, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider this people, or this nation, is your people. Now, Moses is, he knows the Lord. He speaks to God face to face as a man with his friend. But he just wants more. He wants God to show him more of who he is. Here's the Lord's response to that. He said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. What a great promise. My presence, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. One of the wonderful blessings of the presence of God, rest. Rest from the turmoil, rest from the stress, rest from the battles, rest from all the frustration, rest. Where do you find that? In the presence of the Lord, you're refreshed. Here's Moses' response. 
Verse 15, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. If your presence isn't going, I don't want to go. I don't want to do church without the presence of the Lord. I just don't want to. We can't do it. How then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. This is what separates us from the world. It is the presence of God. Nothing else. It is that our God is with us, that He is here in our midst, that we experience His presence. You see, all of those other things don't mean anything without the presence of the Lord. And when you have the presence of the Lord, you have everything. A little bitty underground house church meeting in secret in China that has no sound system, not even any instruments. They don't have any big shot speakers, but they get together and the presence of God shows up. They have everything that they need. And the biggest church with the most money and all the talent and all the glim and glamour and show, if they don't have the presence of God, they haven't got nothing. This is it. We have got to have His presence. That's what changes lives. That's when miracles happen. It's in the presence of God. That's what we have to expect and believe and seek and desire. This consumer mentality in the church today where people just shop church and look. There's only one thing that matters. It's the presence of the Lord. We got that. We got everything we need. Psalm 8410 says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And I can testify that that is true. Just to be in His presence for a moment, it can change you. It can restore you. It can refresh you. So I mentioned we were visiting churches when we were in between. Went to a lot of churches. It was just, I was like, where is the Lord? And we went to the one church and we started worshiping the Lord. And during that time, my heart had just kind of gotten dry and hard and But during that time of worship, the presence of the Lord was so strong. It still moves me to think about how it melted my heart. And tears began to roll down my face. And I was all God's again. It changed me. He refreshed me. He restored me in that moment. And I'm just telling you, in a moment, just a moment in the presence of God... It's worth a thousand other days. Sometimes we're in the presence of the Lord and we just, we don't even realize it. We, sometimes we take it for granted and 
you know, Jacob experienced this thing where he was in the presence of God and he didn't know it. He had a dream about the angels of God going up and down this ladder to heaven and back. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 28, 16, that Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. I want to tell you there's a lot of people that need to wake up and realize that when we come together as the people of God, surely the Lord is in this place. He said, this is none other than the house of God. Where was Jacob? He was fleeing from his brother Esau. He was out in the middle of nowhere. He wasn't even in a house. He's using a rock for a pillow. And he says, this is the house of God. You know where the house of God is? It's where the presence of God is. That's it. That's where the house of God is. He declared it. The Lord is in this place, and I didn't even realize it. I didn't even know. To Jacob's credit, he woke up. Some people need to wake up. The presence of God is in this place. I want to tell you this morning that every church in America would be filled next Sunday if people actually believed that God would show up at church. Every church would be filled. They have bought the lie of of Satan against the church, this garbage that's been propagated even by preachers that there's nothing special about the meeting place, about church. We need to get this, that when we come together, we are the house of the Lord and God moves and God works in our midst. And I'm going to show it to you in Scripture today. But Jacob realized this is the house of the Lord. And I want you to remember this. He was afraid. He said, how awesome is this place. He had a holy reverence for the Lord. He didn't take the presence of God lightly. He was afraid. There's so little fear of the Lord in our world. Because there's so little fear of the Lord amongst the church, among God's people. And it's not often that the presence of the Lord shows up where He is not reverenced where he is not shown regard and respect. I'm going to say this again. The omnipresence of God is everywhere. He's everywhere. But there is a manifest presence of God in our midst. Listen, Psalm 89.7. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. This is just one of many scriptures that tell us that we are to fear the Lord and that when we gather together, we are to reverence Him. You know, people have made reverence a a dirty word in religious culture today. 
reverence. Oh, that just means, oh, quiet, dead church. No, it doesn't. It means that we fear Him, that we respect Him, that we regard Him. And when we come to church, we come because we're meeting with God. So we come in with this awesome reverence, this godly fear. A meeting with the Almighty today, the Holy One. I think there are a lot of churches that don't experience the presence because they have no fear of God. And they have no reverence for the Lord. Jeremiah 5.22, the Lord says, Do you not fear me? Will you not tremble at my presence? I just want to let, let that lay there and soak for a minute because it goes so against the grain of our religious culture today. You don't hear that on Christian radio. The Lord says, Do you not fear me? Will you not tremble at my presence? And it can be like that. Like it was for Jacob. When you feel the presence of God, sometimes it's such an awesome thing, it just makes you tremble. But this encounter that Jacob had, it changed his life. He was never the same. He committed his life to the Lord that day, and things were different. Now, God wasn't through working on Jacob. There's much more to the story of Jacob's life. But Jacob was never the same after this encounter with the presence of God. And I want to reflect on this one more time. He calls it the house of God. People talk about the omnipresence of God, but they don't realize there are special times and special places where the Lord shows up in a powerful way. And I want you to see this now. Yes, like Jacob, you personally can encounter the presence of God in your devotional time or maybe while you're driving down the road. Be careful if that happens, just saying. But yes, you can experience the presence of God personally. You might be like Jacob and say, this is the house of God. But I also want to declare to you today that the church is the house of God. Four of you. I'm telling you, this garbage doctrine that has been propagated that the church is nothing. The church is the temple of the Lord in the earth today. It is where he shows up. And I'm going to show it to you in Scripture I've been talking about. I better show it to you, huh? It is not a temple made with the hands of men. I am not talking about brick and mortar. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the people. The people of God are God's temple in the earth today. Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.15, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Now, kind of interesting here, he says, you need to know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. Well, man, we need some teaching on that. That's going to be a six-week series later, but anyway. (laughs) But get this. He says, in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. See, we read those scriptures in the Old Testament talking about the house of God, and people say, oh, that's all this Old Testament. That doesn't mean anything except for when they want to claim the promises of those same passages. But here it is in the New Testament. The house of God. What did Jacob say? This is none other than the house of God. The house of God 
In the New Testament, the house of God is the church of the living God. There's a truth that a lot of the church has forgotten. People think there's nothing special about the church. In Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, it says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God the Spirit. You see, we as the body of Christ are a dwelling place for God's presence. You need to know this. When we gather in His name, when we come together, it is a holy thing because God shows up in our midst. Here's the same thing in 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5. Coming to him, Jesus, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There it is. We're living stones being built together as a spiritual house where God's presence shows up. Oh, some of you this morning ought to just say along with with Jacob, wow, I'm in the house of God this morning. I didn't even know it. We need to know when we gather in his name, it is a powerful thing. There is a special manifest presence of God when we come together. We, We don't just come to, you know, listen to a sermon and hear some music and And I have to tell you this morning that contrary to the popular attitude, I'm just being all kinds of religiously incorrect this morning. (laughs) But we need truth. And contrary to what's being propagated today, there's a difference when you're in the room. It's the presence And it's not the same when you hear it or watch it later. Listen, yes, God can speak to you anytime you hear the word, but it's not the same. And and I'm glad that people are able to worship online with us. I'm thankful for that. We did that when we were on vacation. But I know... There's not many people getting up off the couch, jumping up and down and praising the Lord and lifting their hands and bowing before the Lord and all excited during the worship time. It's not the same. And the anointing is not the same. I have had the displeasure of going back. You know, I've been doing this a long time. And so I've had the displeasure of going back, you know, listening to some of my sermons from 25 years ago and I remembered it being so good, and it wasn't. I was like, this isn't any good. I was like, this isn't any good. And I remembered some of those services. And the altar was flooded. 
How? Because there was a presence in the room. There was an anointing there that was far beyond my weak ability. It was the power, the touch of God that drew those people and that dealt with their hearts. And that's something that we've got to have and that presence in the room. And it can't be felt the same watching online or listening at another time. So many people have been deceived that you don't need to come and worship together. There's a presence here. We, living stones, we are that house being built as unto the Lord. Now he mentions in verse 5, that spiritual sacrifice is acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What spiritual sacrifices? I want to talk about this one first and foremost. One would be our praise. Hebrews 13 and 15, therefore by, by him, by Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And you know what? I'm glad that we have a day that we celebrate Thanksgiving in our nation. But for us, the believers, it's something that we should do every day, that we are always giving thanks to God. But I also want you to see this, though, that he talks about a sacrifice of praise to God. And yes, you should do this in your personal life as well. But when we come to church, we're bringing a sacrifice to God. It is a spiritual sacrifice. And I've heard it taught wrong that people will say, oh, well, it's a sacrifice because you don't want to give it, and you give it anyway. I hope that's not the way you give to God. How miserable. That's what you call dead religion. No, I bring my sacrifice praise to God. I joyfully give it. And even when I'm sick, even when there's terrible battles going on, I still come and I give it. And I want to give it, not because I feel like it, but because he's worthy of it. And he deserves it. I want to give him that sacrifice of praise. And you see, this is so powerful because this is part of how we come in to the presence of God. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation. He's talking to you. He's talking to us, the church. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. What's all this about? that you may proclaim the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You see, He has chosen us to be a royal priesthood, a people that would praise Him. This is in part what we have been called to for eternity. God has always wanted a people to praise Him. That's who we are. In the day of feel-good theology. Now, some people think it's okay to only praise Him when you feel like it. They, they even are so deceived, they think it would be hypocritical to praise Him if I don't feel like it. Oh, no. You do it because He's worthy. You make a choice to do it, no matter how you feel, and you offer that up to Him as a sacrifice of praise. How do we come into His presence? See, we shouldn't have the mindset that it's just something that happens to us, but we have the opportunity to choose to come into the presence of the Lord. 
And there are still special times and special places and special things that God does. But you need to understand that every time we come together as the body of Christ, we can choose to come in to the presence of the Lord. Listen to these verses, Psalm 95, 1 and 2. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with songs. How do you come before His presence? Not with sadness and gloom and up being all, being out of shape. No, you come with joy. You come with singing. You celebrate the Lord when you, from the time you walk into the doors of this sanctuary. You ought to be praising the Lord and celebrating Him. Eyes, heart focused on the Lord. We want the presence of God. Or do we just want to have a little church? Mm. Psalm 100, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. There it is again. You say, well, people have asked me not to sing. I understand that. And, you know, we all thank you for keeping it down on low. You know what I'm saying? But sing. Sing. I, it doesn't matter if you're good at it. That's right. at, at least sing. I mean, you can sing soft, but sing. Yeah, say, I don't know the words. Well, look at the screen. Do the best you can. You know, we used to say, if you forget the words, you sing. You know, you're in choir and you forget the words, you sing peas and carrots. But don't do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but sing. It's part of our worship and part of our entering in to the presence of God. He says, know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. You enter in with thanksgiving. You go on in to the courts with praise. Church, it's so clear that this is in part how we come in to the presence of God. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, His truth endures to all generations. With joy, with singing, with celebration. I'm talking to the church of the Lord Jesus. I'm not talking to lost people. I'm talking to those who have been brought out of darkness into His marvelous light. I'm talking to those that have been saved, those that have been healed, those that have been set free, those that have been restored. I'm telling you, those that have been blessed, we got something to sing about, something to give thanks for, and we shouldn't ever fail to do that when we come to the house of the Lord. What's the house of the Lord? It's where, where His presence is. It's the people of God, living stones, being built up into a temple, a house of the Lord. That's what the Scripture said. Psalm 84, verse 1, he says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. He knew what I'm trying to tell you. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. How we need to have that kind of hunger for God. Verse 4, he said, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. He's not talking about living in the church building. 
He's talking about us continually coming into the presence of God. Such fulfillment, such satisfaction. He says, they are ever praising you. I want to encourage you this morning to make your praise all about Him. You see, in this religious culture of the day, people have gotten the mindset and the attitude that, well, you know, it's all what I want and how I want. No, it's not about you. Praise is about Him. It's for Him. And we want to worship and praise Him the way that He wants us to. And it's so important that we have that heart and that attitude. we got to get rid of that consumer mentality about church and about praise and worship. It's not about us. It's about Him. I know that when they call it seeker-friendly, they make it all about you. But it really is all about Him. And when we get that, you see, when we make Him the focus, when we really get our eyes on Him, I tell you, He takes care of us. But we can't have that attitude. It's all about me getting blessed. No, it's about giving Him the glory that's due His name. So how do, we, how do we praise Him? What does the Bible tell us? See, the Scripture tells us how to praise the Lord. First, it's with all our hearts. Psalm 111 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Psalm 47, 6 and 7 says, Sing praises to God. Psalm 98 verse 4 says, Shout joyfully. Psalm 47 and 1 says, To clap our hands. Psalm 63, 4 and 5 says, with uplifted hands. Psalm 150 says, with instruments. Psalm 149, 3 and 4 says, to praise Him in the dance. And by the way, it's not always time to dance. Some people get a little confused about some of this stuff. No, there's times when we need to be still. We need to know that He's God. There's times when we need to kneel before the Lord in worship. The Hebrew word for worship in the Old Testament literally means to bow. That's part of worship, is to humble yourself before the Lord. Ecclesiastes 3.4, you may not have ever considered this verse with worship or praise in mind, but we should. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. All of those things. But all of those expressions of worship don't really mean anything if they don't come from the heart. It has to be sincere. It has to be to honor God. It's never to draw attention to ourselves, but to always draw attention to God and to focus on Him and give Him glory. glory. I know some people, you know, when they look at that kind of worship and, and maybe you're here today and you're like, oh, I don't care about all that. They look at our worship and they say, that's emotionalism. No, emotionalism is when your feelings dictate what you do. Emotionalism is when your emotion is what drives you. And we're not doing it just out of emotion, just because I like that song, or just because something hit me just right today. No, we worship and praise the Lord when we come together because the Bible tells us 
that that's what we're supposed to do. And that's part of how we come into His presence. We want His presence. And then the Bible tells us, come into His presence with singing. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Wow. I mentioned earlier from Peter, we read that there are spiritual sacrifices and we talked about the sacrifice of praise a lot. There's one other sacrifice I want to mention to you. It's from Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. He says, I beseech you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual worship, or another translation says your reasonable service. I'm just telling you that Jacob was never the same. And when we really encounter the presence of God, I tell you, we need to give ourselves to Him completely. We need to be willing, like Jacob, to make a real change in our life. To not be content to just be the same old, but instead make up our minds that we're really going to live for God and do what God wants us to do. I want to share one last verse of Scripture with you from Acts 3.19. It says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. See, when we humble ourselves and we allow God to deal with our heart, we're willing to change. It opens the door not only for God's forgiveness, but also for His presence and refreshing to come into our life. And I'm telling you, in His presence is everything that we need. There's healing, there's peace, there's joy, there's protection, there's provision, there's deliverance. He's all in all. He's everything. Stand with me. We're going to pray. I'd like for our prayer partners to come.